Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Brockport First Baptist. My name is Tiffany. I'll be your late reader for today. To begin our service, I'd like to welcome all who are able to please stand and greet those around you.
Good morning, church. My name is Raya Weissy, and just have a few announcements for you guys today. There was a misprint in the bulletin. Our lay reader is Tiffany Krause, not Marilyn. Um, and also, there's a lot going on today after church. We have the teen closet from 11 to 1. And we have our talk back, which will start just a few minutes after service ends. Um, and then stick around for the gathering table. That is at noon today. One last quick little reminder is the Easter lily sign up ends next Sunday. So if you have not signed up yet and you want to get some Easter lilies, um, it's a wonderful fundraiser and the sign up is right at the welcome desk. Now please stand if you are able for our call to worship. Oh Christ, you came to set the captives free. Lord, have mercy. You have given yourself fully to live among us. Christ, have mercy. When rejected, persecuted, and killed upon a cross, you were raised by God. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us toward the joy of life eternal. Amen. Oh. How deep the Father's love for us beyond no measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turned his face away as wounds which mother chosen one bring many sons to glory Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I knew that it was not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. 
Thank you, Ryan Lucas. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm Pastor Dan. It is so good to be with you in the house of the Lord today. Um, before I dismiss the elementary kids, we're going to do a little something different to kind of get into the move from uh, singing into prayer. Um, I want to do, uh, just for Lent, a prayer of repentance together. Uh, I'm going to read the first part, the italics, um, on this next slide, and then we can all read the bold parts together. All right? Let's pray. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to struggle against everything that leads us away from the love of God and neighbor. Repentance, fasting, prayer, study, and works of love help us return to that love. I invite you, therefore, to commit yourselves to love God and neighbor by confessing your sin and by asking God for strength to, to persevere in your Lenten discipline. Father in heaven, your love brings life to dead souls, light to darkened minds, strength to weak wills. Help us to believe and trust that no wrong we have done, no good we have failed to do, is too great for you to pardon through the merits of Jesus Christ, your Son. God has promised forgiveness of sins to those who repent and turn in faith. May God keep you in grace by the Holy Spirit, lead you to greater faith and trust, and bring you to peace in peace to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. With that, we'll now dismiss the elementary kids for Children's Church Upstairs. Uh, please be sure to have a parent or guardian escort them up to their room. Um, and our check-in should be working today, so hopefully all the kids got checked in as well. We're going to continue our time of prayer uh, by opening up for prayer requests and praises. Jim Bowley's got the handheld if anyone uh, would like it brought to them. Uh, but we've also got prayers at the, or not prayers. We, well, we've got prayers, but we've got mics. <laughs> we got mics at the front of the sanctuary if anyone would like to come up and share a prayer request. I actually have two. Um, this Wednesday, Pam and Christy are headed to uh, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. So I ask for prayers for safe travel and that this is the final step before Christy can be put on the transplant list. Yes, amen to that. The second thing, um, this is my first year as property coordinator, and I never anticipated all the joy that's gone into this position. <laughs> well, Lori could have warned you, you know. She didn't say a word. <laughs> One of those joyful activities is a fire inspection, which we had back in February. Of course, there were issues that had to be addressed before we could get whatever it is we get. Um, but, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I want to send out a special thank you to Bud Lage for all of his efforts. He literally saved us hundreds of dollars rectifying those problems <laughs> from the uh, fire inspector. We're being reevaluated on Tuesday. So Perfect. prayers of thanks for God and uh, for, for Bud and pray to God that these are fixed. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is just a praise to all of you who once again <laughs> just reconfirm um, my faith in, in this congregation, in this church, and in God, um, that there are so many good, good people in the world. I just want to say thank you all so much for all of the new-to-them gifts that were given to um, Julie and Cassidy's family last week. We spent nine hours 
running around and picking up new to them items and dropping them off um, and the joy on the kids' face to basically have a new home presented to them was one I'll never forget and I couldn't have done that without all of you so thank you. Um, with that I did also want to say thank you for your prayers for Cassidy. She is home, she is recovering well, she has not had any more seizures. She has been diagnosed with epilepsy, so I do ask that you continue to pray for her um, until she has another seizure and they can pinpoint more of where the seizures are coming from. It's being treated pretty, I don't know, I guess not super specifically. So they're gonna be working through a number of different medications until they can get it under control. And then one last praise, um, seeing Christy here today made me like super emotional and I'm so happy to see you and I have been praying for you and I'm just so looking forward to your trip this week. So. Amen. Anything else you can be praying about? Prayer requests, praises, Walter. I had a, yesterday I was on Facebooking with an old, with a friend, former member of my church, and she said something that really stuck with me. She, I said, how you doing? What, are you still in church? She said, we left during COVID and we have not heard from anybody in that wow. church. She said, you're the first person that's reached out to me from the church, uh, from hmm. my old church, in, in, in several years. And that's just, I think about all those people that somehow get away from church and yeah and sometimes churches are little communities and families and, and if you're new because these folks were new it's tough to break in sometimes as well yeah. uh, but just i'm thinking about all those folks that suddenly get away or left by the side of the road and we need to think about those folks and and make sure we don't do that ourselves absolutely now what's your friend's name karen So the first praise is I actually made it to break week. So my, my last full semester survived um, <laughs> so far. Um, but also I had conversations with Nate yesterday and um, we're heading out next Saturday is his first game of the year. So just some prayers of safe travels for Ryan and I and then we survived the cold because the weather is not looking like it's gonna be fun to be watching lacrosse next yeah, Saturday. But um, he's just excited to play so many in different color uniforms. So. Um, hopefully everything goes well. Very cool. Thank you, James. I still want to pray for uh, Betty Bemis. I talked to Gordon yesterday and um, after he said his day was good until he heard from me, as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said that Betty's doing well and she's still home, so. Very cool. Sorry, I forgot this one because I was really overwhelmed. <laughs> Gotta hold it close. Can you hear me? Okay, whatever. You can hear me anyway. Um, <laughs> I just want to also ask for prayers. Um, again, not sure, I'm sure everybody knows, but there was another shooting incident in Kansas City at the Super Bowl parade, and I just want to like continue to pray for the families who were affected, yeah. but again, to the people who are leading our government. You might hate me for this, but like we need a change in the, in the government reform laws. And like, yeah. I'm just so 
sick and tired of seeing that in the news every other week. Things that are meant to be really, really, really happy and wholesome moments are getting taken away by gun violence, and I just really want to continue to pray for that and pray for change and pray for guidance for people to make laws that make sense. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Jolene. I don't cry a lot over the news. I talk a lot about it, but I don't cry over it. And the news of uh, Mr. Navalny's death just made me weep. Um, I do pray so much. The words that we say, things that we do, even here in America, make such a difference around the world. And to have such a noble, heroic, brave, courageous human being would go back into the den, you might say, and suffer as he did, and then to be done away with as easily as he was, it just takes my breath away. So I pray for all of us that we be mindful of the people around the world, not just here at home. Mind what we say, mind what we do, and be aware of all of the ramifications. Thank you. I'll share, um, I'll share an update as well. So uh, we need to be praying for Cameron Community Ministries. Uh, Cameron Ministries is actually our communion offering for February, oddly enough. Um, it's a great organization doing fantastic anti-poverty work in Rochester. They've got Baptist roots, um, so they're very close to our church and the other Baptist churches in the area. And uh, you might have seen in local news this past week, um, there is another organization in Rochester, not Cameron. It's an organization called the Community Resource Collaboration, CRC. They're under investigation for misusing millions of dollars in American Rescue Plans Fund, um, American Rescue Plan funds. That was the money that was given kind of during the pandemic uh, to help nonprofits and things like that. Well, this other organization, which again is not Cameron, they acted as a fiduciary for those funds, and they were supposed to distribute those funds to about a dozen different anti-poverty uh, nonprofits in Rochester, one of which was Cameron. And now those money, that money, whether it still exists, whether it will ever come through, uh, we don't know. Um, and again, Cameron was not involved in any of that crap. It was this other organization. Um, and so now outreaches that Cameron had planned may, may not happen now. Um, a number of staff have been furloughed. It's a really just awful situation, not just affecting them, but affecting about a dozen anti-poverty groups in Rochester. So we've been asked to pray for Cameron Ministries and all the other organizations impacted by this, and we've also been uh, called on to give. Uh, so any gift that you give to Cameron Ministries through our church goes directly to them. It does not go through any fiduciary uh, organizations. Um, and uh, you can give to Cameron anytime, either by going to their website or just writing Cameron Ministries in the memo line of your check, online gift, or envelope here. And I should have their website, but I don't have it written down. Google Cameron Ministries. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you can also give, you can give to Cameron through the United Way. So there's a lot of ways to support them, and they need the, uh, they need the support uh, pretty badly right now. So with that, let's have a few moments of silence, and then um, I'll lead us in prayer together. Let's pray.
Lord of all that is silent and spoken, we open our hearts to you. Search our souls, God. Turn over the hidden places of our lives. Help us to see in this Lenten season how you are calling us to draw closer to you. We confess, Lord, that we are not always grateful for the grace we've received, and we are not always gracious to others in return. So, God, we ask you to soften our hearts, and we thank you for the promise of forgiveness as we place our trust in you. Hear our prayers today for those who are suffering and in pain. We lift up Pam and Christy and pray for traveling mercies for them and for good news out of this trip. We pray for Bud. We lift up Julie and Cassidy and their family. We pray for Karen and for other folks in her situation, a situation like hers, uh, who've been out of church for a while and haven't been checked up on by their church families. We pray for James and Raya and Nate. We pray for Betty and Gordon. We pray for Cameron Ministries and all the other uh, nonprofit groups impacted. We pray for everyone impacted by this terrible shooting down in Kansas City. We pray for the community there. We pray, Lord, as we've prayed so many times, that there would be a change common sense gun laws would be put in place, that you'd give wisdom and courage to our leaders to do something about all this violence. And God, we pray for the people of Russia uh, with the death of Navalny. Navalny. Um, and we lift up in his memory, Lord, all who fight for justice and oppose tyrants around the world pray that you would empower them, encourage them, support their work, and we pray for your protection over them as well. Hear our prayers, Lord, and any uh, needs, any praises that remain unspoken, our prayers for family, friends, and neighbors, help us to lead the way to peace and justice for all people. As we enter into the season of Lent, God, and turn our eyes toward the cross, we ask that you will empower us to see clearly the sacrifice you've made for us, as well as the sacrifices you are calling us to make for others. God, we ask for all these things in the powerful name of Jesus, and we lift our voices together in the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Now is the time in our service when we respond to God's grace with the giving of our tithes and offerings. In just a moment, the ushers will, will be passing the plate. If you brought a physical offering with you today, please drop it in there. If you prefer to give online, you can do so on our website. Let us pray to bless the offering. 
Help us to be generous givers, dear Lord, both of our money and our lives, but we might make a difference here in Brockport. We ask this through your son who gave all that he was so that we might know life. Amen. Our scripture for today is Acts 3, verses 11 to 26. It can be found on page 887 of your pew Bibles, or up on the screen. <clears throat> While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the, por in the portion called Solomon's Portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people fellow Israelites why do you want wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, through, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and by faith in his name, his name itself has made his man, this man strong, whom you see and know. 
and the faith is through Jesus has given him the perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance and did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all of the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is, Jesus, who must remain the heaven, in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you from your own people a prophet like me, you must listen to whatever he tells you. And it will be that everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be utterly <clears throat> rooted out of the people. And all the, all the prophets, as many as have spoken, from Samuel and those after him, also predicted these days you are the descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and in your descendants all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways, the word of God for the people of God. And thank you, Tiffany, for that reading. Okay, so good morning again, everyone. So I got to start off with a Zeke anecdote this morning. Um, my son is six years old, um, and and yesterday uh, we were we were chatting together. And he told me, uh, he said, Dad, I would rather be dead than be a pastor. <laughs> and I was, I was like, I was like, that's, that's kind of harsh, buddy. Like, what, what, what's going on? And he said, well, you get to talk about God, but when you're dead, you get to hang out with God every day. Which is a good reminder of that line from Ash Wednesday. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Um, although I think he might be trying to kill me. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, anyway... Um, how's your Lenten season? Uh, off to a good start so far, I hope, for people. Going well, yeah? Weird question to ask in a room full of Baptists who don't usually talk about Lent. Um, we, had, we had a really nice time at our Ash Wednesday labyrinth this past week. Decent turnout, too, considering it was Valentine's Day. What better way to spend Valentine's Day than having dirt rubbed on your face and being told you're going to die? Um, I also I want to promote our Lenten small groups uh, one more time. We've got two groups that are running through Lent for the next six weeks. One uh, meets Wednesdays at noon, the other is Thursdays at 6 p.m. You can come to either group, they cover the same stuff. Um, and we are reading Luke's Gospel out loud together. Uh, and I gotta tell you, it's a very different experience hearing the Gospel story read out loud at length. It was, it was really 
fun, believe it or not, um, last week. Uh, we had some great conversation as well. It's not too late to join one of these groups. If you'd like to be part of it, again, Wednesdays at noon or Thursdays at 6, come on out. Uh, we would love to have you there. Let's talk about our scripture reading for today. Uh, we're picking up right where we left off last week. Uh, last Sunday, we looked at the story where Peter and John heal a man who's sitting by the, the gate of the temple. Uh, it's a man who was born unable to walk, and he sits day after day by the entrance to the temple begging for alms. We talked last week about seeing and being seen, um, how a person born unable to walk would never have been allowed to enter the temple. If you couldn't walk, back then you were considered ceremonially unclean. And so this man, this child of Israel, begging by the gate of the temple, has never himself been allowed to pass through that temple. But as we discussed last week, Peter and John see this man. They recognize that the problem isn't that he can't walk. The problem is that there's a barrier standing between him and his God. So Peter removes the barrier and heals the man. His legs are suddenly made strong, he stands to his feet, and then the man goes walking with the disciples into the temple for the very first time, leaping and praising God. Do we all remember that story from last week? Caught up? Okay, excellent. This reading picks up right after that, like it's the very next scene. Peter and John are still in the temple with the healed man clinging to them. The crowd is amazed, confused, and probably a little freaked out seeing this guy in the temple all of a sudden. Um, this guy wasn't even allowed in the temple before, and now he's here and he's walking. They probably don't know what to make of that. So Peter steps up and he starts to preach, like you do. <laughs> uh, if, you're ever, if you're ever in a confusing situation, just start preaching. Uh, it totally, totally makes sense. <clears throat> but this is from uh, Peter's sermon, uh, Acts 3, starting in verse 12. Fellow Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made this guy walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. It's relatable. In this way, God fulfilled what he had told, uh, foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. What a perfect reading for Lent, you guys. It's almost, it's almost like I planned this. Um, you, you've got the whole Easter story laid out there, though, right? Peter's recapping all of it. Jesus being rejected by his own people, handed over to Pilate, crucified, only to be raised back to life. Peter's message to the people can be summed up in one word. Repent. Repent from your old ways. Turn from the path that leads to death and destruction and put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in this guy you rejected who has now healed this man. This is the season of Lent. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar, it's a season of preparation leading up to Holy Week and Easter. And Lent is a season of repentance. It's a time 
to turn from anything that is still standing in the way, preventing us from connecting with God, relating to Jesus, it's an opportunity to repent of that so that we can receive life. Repent. If I'm honest, though, uh, I think the word repent has lost a bit of its power, right? It doesn't quite mean the same thing today. It's lost some of its flair. It's a really dated word. Uh, it's a word we don't use much anymore. And when we do, it's usually in a negative kind of way. When I hear the word repent, I think of this guy with the sign. Um, <laughs> has, has anyone seen this, this guy around the village? Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's all over the place. Um, his name is Frank. I've talked to him a couple times. He's actually uh, a pretty nice guy, despite what the signs kind of imply. Um, but when I hear the word repent, my mind goes to Frank. And all the folks who stand out there on the street corners with the signs telling people they're going to hell, right? Uh, I also think of billboards like these. Um, <laughs> to anyone, man, to anyone who's listening to the audio, you're missing it today. Um, let me describe this. We're looking at a billboard with a very white Jesus. <laughs> and he's saying, for me or against me, if you're against me, there's hell to pay. And, of course, there's a reference to a Bible passage that doesn't say that. <clears throat> I got to wonder what the success rate is on these billboards, you know? Like, like, of all the thousands of people who pass this every day, I wonder how many are like, you know what? I should change religions today. Um, he gets us. There you go. Oh, gosh. This is what a lot of us think of when we hear the word repent. Billboards. Folks on the corner with a sign. It usually has something to do with conversion, uh, a sales pitch, which is really interesting because when Peter addresses the crowd in the temple, he doesn't use a lot of conversion language. Um, he doesn't have a new religion that he's trying to sell them. Peter is a Jewish guy talking to other Jewish people in their holy place, in their place of worship, the temple, and he's telling them to repent. He's an insider talking to other religious insiders, telling them they need to repent, they need to turn. That is different from how most of us talk and think about repentance. I think a lot of churches tend to operate in one of two extremes when it comes to repenting. Um, on the one hand, you've got your shame-based churches, fear-based religion, hellfire and brimstone. I'm thinking about the churches that overemphasize repentance. It's the kind of religion where you are always repenting, never good enough, never righteous enough, never quite sure if you have enough faith, if you're good with God or not. That's one extreme. I think the other extreme is your conversion-based churches. It's a form of Christianity where we replace actual repentance with a one-time conversion event experience. It's like, re repent? Oh, I did that once. Back when I became a Christian, it was, like, it was like 30, 40 years ago. I was at camp. It was great. I said a prayer. I accepted Jesus as my Savior, confessed my sin. That was, that was my repenting. I've, I've covered that, one and, one and done. When we replace repentance with conversion, you end up with this form of Christianity that doesn't really provoke much change. We're not growing, uh, we're not being discipled, we're not really getting closer to God or being challenged in any discernible way. We just said a prayer one time, and now we, we check a different box on the census, right? It's a Christian. 
I feel like between these two extremes of shame-based, fear-based Christianity and the conversion-based Christianity, I feel like there's got to be a third way. And I think that third way has to do with how we understand repentance. The word being translated repent here uh, literally means to turn. That's why you'll kind of hear me using repent and turn interchangeably. Um, The Greek word is metanoia, but it's a translation of a a Hebrew word, teshuva. Let me hear you all say teshuva. Excellent pronunciation. Um, Teshuva means to turn. When you're going one direction, and then you turn to go another, you teshuva, repent. It can also be used uh, when you turn your head to look at something. Maybe, uh, maybe there's some hidden aspect of your life, uh, some darkness, some challenge, some issue you've been avoiding, and now you, you turn your head, you teshuva, to actually look at it so you can address it. That's repenting. That's repent, where it comes from. It's not a fear-based thing where you are always on thin ice, tiptoeing around with God, um, never quite good enough. It's also not a one-time thing, like conversion. Repentance, turning, is a practice. It's something we do over and over again, getting better at it over time, till it becomes like second nature. The Christian walk, our journey of discipleship with God, depends on the practice of repenting. We are always discerning the areas of our life where we are out of sync with God, where we need to grow closer to Christ, where we need to turn and go in a new direction. That's teshuva. Peter's sermon is helpful uh, because he gets at what we're turning away from and what we're turning toward. Can I have both of those elements in here? Um, In short... Peter's invitation is to turn away from death and to turn toward life. Turn away from violence, destruction, chaos, the the forces that put Jesus on the cross, and turn to embrace the salvation Jesus offers. That's Peter's sermon in a nutshell. And again, Peter's talking to the religious people here, okay? He's talking to fellow Israelites. He says, you killed the author of life. Which is ironic. James sees the irony. You've been asking for life. You've been asking for salvation, and when God sent you a deliverer, you killed him. You handed Jesus over to your enemies and said, here, take care of this guy for us. Turn from that path that leads to death and embrace life. We've got a note as well, this is really important, that this is a passage that has been interpreted very anti-Semitically over the years. Uh, Christians in the past, and probably still today, uh, have used this passage to blame our Jewish siblings for Jesus' death uh, and to justify our own anti-Semitic violence. We've used this passage where Peter is telling a bunch of religious folks to turn from the way of violence, to justify our own violence. Do you see the irony there? This need for repentance, this need to turn from the way of death and head towards Jesus' offer of life, it is not a problem for one specific problem, uh, one specific people. This is not an Israelite problem. It's not a Jewish problem. This is a human problem. We all do this. 
This is the problem of, Christ, of Christians who will oppress Jewish people in the name of a Jewish Messiah. It's the problem of a nation of immigrants that decides to no longer open its door to immigrants, make it harder to get in. Or imagine someone born into poverty who, like, actually works their way up. They climb the corporate ladder and they're actually successful. They, they become a, a titan of industry only to turn around and oppress the poor folks who work for them. Or imagine someone who goes to church on a Sunday singing praises to the God who laid down his life for his enemies only to go out from church and strap on a gun to defend ourselves from our enemies. God sent you the author of life and you killed him. Stop choosing death. Teshuva. Repent. We tracking with this so far? Okay. Good, good, good. We need to repent from all the ways we are still entrenched in death so that we can follow Jesus into life. The season of Lent, as I understand it, is an opportunity to do that. It's an opportunity to put this into practice. We have a 40-day period every year where we are invited to examine our lives, take a critical look at our hearts, where we're at in our walk with Jesus, and determine places we need to change. Uh, in our newsletter last Wednesday, we included an excellent video from uh, New Testament scholar Esau McCulley. Uh, used to teach at Northeastern Seminary, not far from us, where, where James is a student. Um, and Esau in that video, talks about the Christian life. He talks about how this life with Jesus is not always smooth sailing. It's not, it's not up and to the right, so to speak, where we're always getting better and better, drawing closer and closer to God, growing more holy as time goes on. That's not how discipleship works. The Christian life is a journey of peaks and valleys. You have mountaintop experiences and dark nights of the soul, it's not always smooth sailing. There are times when we're growing in our faith and we feel like we're drawing closer and closer to God, and then there are times when like, us and God aren't even on speaking terms. That's what discipleship looks like. That's actually normal. On uh, Ash Wednesday this past week, in addition to doing the ashes, uh, we had our labyrinth open. Uh, I got a picture of uh, some of the kids on the labyrinth. Let's hear it. Aw, there you go. You could have awed better than that. Um, <laughs> but we have this huge prayer labyrinth here at church. Um, as you can see, it fills the whole fellowship hall out there. Um, and this is a picture of, of some of our kids from this past Wednesday walking the labyrinth together. And on the next slide, I've actually got the design of our labyrinth, kind of an aerial view of what our labyrinth actually looks like. Uh, the way I was originally taught to walk a prayer labyrinth years and years ago was that you imagine God at the center of the labyrinth. And then our lives are kind of like this path. They wind in and out. Sometimes we're moving closer to God. Sometimes we're moving farther away. Sometimes we double back. Sometimes we get lost. When I walk the labyrinth, uh, I take time to follow that path, moving closer to the center, and then away from the center, and then closer, and then away. By the time I arrive at the center of the labyrinth, I have a better sense of where I'm at in my walk with God. Every time. Never fails. 
Lent is a season to be doing that kind of reflection together. To be doing that kind of honest assessment of where we're at with Jesus, where we need to repent, where we need to turn and go another way. We practice repentance during Lent so that we don't have to live in that constant state of anxiety all year long, that fear of never knowing if we're on the right path, that kind of shame-based religion. This is our season to practice repentance because we want more than a passive one-time salvation. We want to grow. We want to change. We want to become closer to God, more like Jesus. My invitation to you is to take the next 40 days to do some reflection. Do some repentance work. Find a new prayer practice. Create space in your life for you to sit, talk to God, and listen. Maybe you set a timer every day for 15 minutes or an alarm to remind you, oh, it's time to stop what I'm doing and pray. Find that space. If you're fasting from something, uh, whether it's, you know, what do people fast from? Chocolate, meat, caffeine. What did you say? Peanut butter? Don't fast from peanut, my gosh. Um, (laughs) Unless you're allergic, then yeah. Um, But maybe you choose a fast. And when you crave those things, you let that hunger draw you to God, remind you of your hunger for God. You could join us in one of these Lenten groups as we hear the gospel story read out loud. It's not too late to try out any of these things over the next 40 days. Uh, I'm going to put a bunch of questions up here on the slides, uh, reflection questions. I want to encourage you to take a picture of these. We've got a, um, a few. We're going to go through a few slides. So get your cell phone camera, or if there's something that really strikes you, you can write it down. But use these to prompt you during that time of prayer. Where am I in my walk with God? Am I drawing closer to God or am I moving away? Do I feel myself, uh, do I feel like I'm closer to God now than I was a year ago? Why or why not? What changed? Am I drawing closer to Jesus? Can I feel myself becoming more like him? What are the areas of life where I struggle to follow Jesus, the stuff that I kind of hold back from Jesus? Is there anything about Jesus, his life, his message, his ministry, that still makes me uncomfortable? Where are the places of darkness in my life? What are the areas that I keep hidden? Maybe I hide them from myself or from others, from God. What anger am I holding on to? What secrets am I keeping that need to be spoken and told? What shame am I carrying and how can I start to process that? Maybe let some of it go. one more of these slides. Uh, Is there unconfessed sin in my life? How am I living in ways that cause harm to others? Could be other people. uh, Could be harm to the earth. What areas of my life are still trapped in that state of chaos and violence? And importantly, where am I moving toward life? Where am I growing? Where am I learning? 
Where do I feel more alive? I don't show these questions to shame anybody or to make you feel like you don't belong. I'm sharing these questions to prompt a little bit of work. Work that I know I need to do in my heart and work that I think probably most of us could stand to do in our own hearts. I hope you wrote a few of those down or took some pictures. Maybe if someone got them and post them online, we'll share them on the church page or something like that. Um, But I hope you will use this season of Lent to reflect, to pray, and to hopefully draw closer to God as we learn to turn away from death and toward life. Let's pray. God, we confess all the ways that we fail to live up to your way. The people we've exploited, those we've hurt. We pray that you're going to open our eyes, Lord, in this season to see any changes we need to make in order to be more like Christ. God, we ask that you'd empower us through your Holy Spirit to repent, to turn, to learn to follow you more closely in this season of Lent and beyond. We ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To close out our time of worship today, I'd like to invite all who are able to please stand for our closing hymn. Number 563, Lord, I Want to Be a Christian.
please stick around today for uh, gathering table. The teen closet is open down in the basement, and uh, in a few minutes we'll circle up uh, kind of here on this side at the front for a sermon talkback uh, if we want to talk about the sermon and uh, anything else you guys want to chat about. Please, before you go, though, receive this blessing. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again to our doors. Amen.